if I'm a good dad, the job is to make yourself obsolete in a strange way. The same way I think being a great coach is to make yourself obsolete, to put yourself out of a job. Welcome to Power to Speak, the podcast. I'm Jackie Goddard, and it's my mission to make entrepreneurs, leaders, and speakers excited about sharing their business ideas, to watch them transform from fearful to fearless in front of their audience. Power to Speak, the podcast is aimed at those aspiring to be leaders, entrepreneurs, and speakers, giving them the opportunity to learn from those that have been there, seen that, and got the t-shirt. I discuss with them how they've used their creativity, curiosity, and humility to create their success. Well, welcome to the Power to Speak, the podcast, Caleb Nelson. So, so happy to have you here today. Welcome, Caleb. Jackie, I am so grateful to be a guest here. I just think you're fantastic. Um, I mean, really had to work hard for me to want to come hang with somebody I love having conversation with. So thanks oh. for pulling pulling my arm. So oh, <laughs> no, I, I've been looking forward to it actually because I just I, you live in a place that I love, uh, sort of uh, New York City way. So I'm very happy to connect with anybody anybody over there. And and what you do is just a joy. So I'm looking forward to really looking forward to having a conversation with you. So Caleb, let's tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself. But as far as I can tell, you are, you are what you what you preach and what you teach. So tell us a little bit about what it is that you do. Ooh, what do I do? I always have fun when I get that question, because in its most functional sense, I host space. And in that space, my intent is to allow somebody to feel safe enough to hopefully see themselves in their best light and with that give themselves permission to find more happiness within themselves where that goes uh <laughs> well it's all, it's up to them because it's i'm not the one telling you how to live your life they i might i fundamentally believe people are whole within themselves and i i, I hope they give themselves permission to do that but typically where it goes is they spend a little more quality time doing the things they love, whether it's doing the work that they love the most and feel most valued and feel great at. A lot of times it starts with spending more quality time with their loved ones, their spouse, their friends, their family, in, in ways that they actually feel a proper exchange of love and value and appreciation. And then ultimately, those are all reflections to me of how you're taking care of yourself. And that would be your mental, spiritual, physical, emotional well-being. How that looks in the back end from a practical sense, if we need to keep it like material, you may usually you're happier because you're making more money doing exactly what you love to do. If you're in a marriage or a relationship, you're having more sex because you feel more connected to your partner. Go figure or you're in experiencing more events and, and, and interactions with the people that you love that fill your cup and, and make you feel appreciated and loved in the way you, you hope to be. And uh, functionally, from the physical standpoint, you look better naked. However that needs to be for you, that's up to you. But I've just found when you, you eliminate those barriers and all the other places, taking care of yourself seems like an obvious choice and you enjoy taking care of yourself and your body is a, a beautiful log of that. So that's, 
That's a long-winded way of saying that's kind yeah. of what I do, but hosting <laughs> the space starts is, is the start to all of that. Yes, and I and like I said in the beginning, it almost feels like you you now teach and coach other people something that you have discovered yourself. Would that be would that be true? Hundred percent accurate. Yeah, this is, and I appreciated you saying that because if I, there's nothing I hate more than being a hypocrite, so whenever somebody calls me out on that. Usually it's my wife because she's the best. Uh, she, she, I can't unsee it. I can't not solve that. I want to live in alignment with what I say is, is, is valuable to me. Um, and I, I would not feel uh, right in any role and would consider me a tool or a leadership role in, in the work I do if I'm not being authentic to that. And, uh, you know, we brought up, you brought up like what people are going to ask, what's Naked Sunday? That's that whole thing. And that was exactly the process of, of tuning into who am I? What do I care about? How do I value myself? How am I respecting myself both physically and like literally and figuratively? And how am I showing up for my relationships? What is the nature of the work I do? How am I hoping to impact the world? How am I valuing myself? And that exploration, quite literally sitting butt naked on a Sunday, for an extended period of time, I can't even—I don't even remember how long I was doing the habit for, um, from a very regimented sense. Um, it was pretty—it was a pretty powerful gift. Just yeah. more, more or less looking in the mirror, and uh, I'm finding a lot more peace and happiness within myself on that journey. I don't think it's ever the end. Um, it's changed, but it's—I saw all three of those things. I, I liked what I saw in the mirror. I liked how I showed up for my relationships. I get more, I receive more love and affection from the people that I really value the opinions of. Um, and in my work, like I just got done with a call, like right before I hopped on here talking about like powerful stuff. Yeah. And that's cool. You don't, I, I don't like talking about the weather. It's like, that's a, that's a, maybe an opener and a warm up. But if we don't get beyond that in the next couple of minutes, like, what are we doing? Are yeah. we wasting your time? Like we're here to support and love each other. And uh, I like depth, so that's been yeah. Well, let's. I mean, let's dig deeper then on on the whole kind of um, naked Sunday thing because I don't think we had a preamble to that. So people will be going, "What the hell?" Um, so I, I, I mean, look, I've got, I've got this. This is let's get naked. And so this naked Sunday is this the podcast? And how did that come about? How do you get to that point where you think, right, I'm going to sit naked on a Sunday? I mean, what was it that that kind of uh, started that? So I have my wife to credit for this, and it's not as uh, – it might be a little driven more by surface-level stuff initially, but what I found because of that was different. She had heard about this thing from Christina Aguilera where, where her, um, her and her husband were just doing this thing called Naked Sunday. Now, you really got to work hard to convince me to say, I'm going to spend a day naked with my wife. Where's that going to go? <laughs> like any husband, I don't think that's going to be a hard one, a hard sell. Uh, but at that time, speaking of being a hypocrite, I was feeling pretty lost in my work. I owned a wellness center and uh, we had fitness stuff, Cairo nutrition, massage, all that stuff. And I was about hmm, 40 pounds overweight. For me and I felt 
like I was truly being inauthentic. I was not leading by example. And in that space where I'm asking people to trust me to go on a health journey, I wasn't living in alignment. So the, aside from the service level drivers and the primal drivers behind that, I was feeling very uncomfortable in my body. And to give you scope, probably, I don't know, 10, 11 years ago, at one point, I sold a membership to at the job I was at to start my career, butt naked in a hot tub, like did not care. I could show up physically however I wanted to, just didn't care. Here I was, fast forward, and I was terrified of just sitting by myself alone, naked in my home. So that discomfort was, oh, like there's something here. I should probably explore this. So that's what, it, again, with those two things, a surface level pull and a driver, and then the insecurity of saying, I need to look in the mirror and be honest with myself. That's where it took me. So when I sat with that, here I was, I'm committed, I'm in it. Once I had set my mind to it, I did not realize how much I didn't like myself. I would just see that and that I would just like the negative self-talk that poured over me was just brutal. And for whatever reason, again, my wife didn't start with me, but for whatever reason, I looked over at my wife and I had this pause. Well, she loves me. She's with me. She's been with me on this journey as my body changed and everything else that went along with it. Why does she love me? There must be something else. And that question led me to start to see myself in more than just the physical I was bringing to the table. That little shot of joy and love, unconditional love, coupled with then reflecting around what my friends that I that have been with me and stood by me through a lot of darkness, understanding that took that anxiety feeling and pulled it down just enough for me to just take a breath. And then I was able to look at it objectively at my life, at my habits that were contributing at that point to my physical dissatisfaction, we'll call it. And that change there allowed me to go, oh, okay, well, on this day, I was bent out of shape, and then I went and crushed a sleeve of Oreos. Okay, what could you do next time? But it softened the judgment. It softened the anger. It softened the resentment towards myself and as a, we'll call it a recovering perfectionist, uh, we'll, we'll say, that allowed me the space to be more kind and go through the process in every single week. And then eventually with my wife getting involved in it, that's where it led to. Bringing it to where Naked Sunday as the podcast came into fruition, what I observed is until we are open and honest with ourselves, i.e. naked, truly naked, and looking at ourselves in the mirror, we, we're avoiding the truth. And until we get to the root of the problem, we're just shining the shell, but underneath that, the, the foundation is still rotting. And at some point, we're going to collapse and have to go back to that. So until we're naked, no true growth can happen. And that's the hope of the podcast, to host conversations with people that I just love. I enjoy giving people shine. That's one of my favorite things to do, allowing people to sit in a space to just love on them. I, I, I hope they can see in me a reflection of what I see in them. If anybody could see in from my eyes any day of the week how I look at them, I don't think they'd ever be upset ever again. And this is a twofold kind of thing. My endeavor behind that is that I'm also seeing in myself something in you. 
And my hope by looking to find the greatness and the happiness and the love within you, I'm also seeing that in myself and bringing more joy and love to me. So it's not, it's a two way street. It's a lot of give and take of unconditional love. And that's the, the podcast, bringing people who understand that type of conversation, allowing them to showcase that because a lot of coaches, I think we need that. We need more people who are of service, who really want to do right by others, who are willing to have these hard conversations and hold space for that. I don't need to be the person to solve all those problems. I, that's, that's okay. We need as many people as possible who are willing to host this conversation, in my opinion. And I find that to just be my small role. The conversation of the podcast can facilitate that. We can give more awareness to people who do that. I have some solo podcasts as well, which I call them my leb talks because it's just me running my mouth for a while. It's a little more masculine energy from like more like direct, this is what I think. Uh, the other one is more of a conversational space. And it's also just my coaching style. Like share, I, like, I don't know. And I, and also selfishly, I should say like, I just get, it's a, it's a convenient reason for me to listen to really smart people. And I like to learn. So like, it makes my life really easy. Like, let me, I want, I like to learn. Let me bring the education to me. And in return, my gift back to you is I get to help showcase you in some small way. Oh, hello. That's exactly why I do my podcast. Exactly why you're here, Caleb. You know, it's just that that excuse to sort of talk to some really, really interesting people. Um, absolutely get that. Um, it, it, tell me how it connects with leadership and, and the idea around making good leaders. Yeah. What is it in what, what you do and the way you speak to other people um, that sort of facilitates creating yeah. better leaders? Appreciate that question. Uh, I operate from this premise that I think great leadership is great coaching. It's actually an ask, not a tell. And if you're not willing to ask yourself the hard questions and be introspective, you're really blunting your ability to guide others. And the reason I say this is asking is a, a massive form of humility saying, I don't know. And you're welcoming somebody else into your space to help share your vision in some way, shape, or form. In a business sense, as entrepreneurs, you're getting buy-in into the idea, your vision of greatness, whatever that is, however you're going to impact the world through your vehicle is really cool. But a lot of times we get into this dogmatic dictatorship style. And it's not to say we don't need structure and organizational tools to help put things in place. But I've come to a place where I think we don't give each other enough credit. Like we're smart as humans. If you believe somebody is going to be able to rise to the occasion and you can show them that, you make space for them to actually live up to that expectation. Like, no, I believe in you. You can do it. Where many people already don't believe in themselves and they've been mm -hmm. guilt, guilted and shamed into doing it. And now don't get me wrong. Those types of tactics that, that I've, I'm trying to help people shy away from in some perspective, they work. But for how long is the big question. And it's a lot of the, this is right, this is wrong, good, bad, should, shouldn't. It's all contextual. It's all compared to what? And what's the goal? And if you both don't know what the goal is, it's going to be very hard to lay out expectations that both sides can understand. Like, oh, yeah, this, this works. Um, I like to talk to the entrepreneur because I think from that perspective and what I've observed is people that are entrepreneurs, they value freedom, the idea of I want to, I can do whatever I want with my time. 
but they also in the same breath are taking responsibility for that freedom. You have to accept it's all on me. It's all my fault. Doesn't mean you have to do it alone, nor can you because you need clients, you need staff, you need, or however you want to, or structure your organization. You need others to build a business and clients are part of that. Communicating to your clients, if you're not going inward enough, you're not going to necessarily ask the questions that are truly going to solve the problem or help that other person solve the problem for themselves. It's helping people build more confidence in themselves, whether it's through learning how to speak more, with more confidence or being able to do X, Y, Z job or task repeatedly. We need to feel confident enough to say, I can execute. Because I, the more I notice why people fail, it's usually from a place, it's not from a place of malice. It's not from a place of anger. It's a place of, I feel bad. Like I, I feel guilty. I feel shame that I couldn't live up to your expectations. I wanted to. And that leads to the quote unquote ghosting. They just stop showing up because they don't want, it's hard for them to face the music and, and have that conversation. But it's not necessarily them. If you're, the, you're in the leadership position, it's worth asking, how did you show up to set the space where they felt safe enough to communicate that? Yeah. Which is a different perspective from most. And I can say from my own failures, when I felt very scarce and I felt very insecure within myself, dogmatic, I'm right, you're wrong, that kind of bit. And thank God I did get more resources underneath me at the time because I would have probably been locked in my own ecosphere of just ignorance and we'll call it narcissism at the time. Like, that was a gift to not be able to get more within that end. Um, you can get a lot of yes man kind of people when you get into that space, especially if you get very successful. And I, I think that introspection, that honest look at yourself to say, hey, I still got stuff to work on. I need to be honest. I need to go inward, not outward. Most people try to solve it with an outward problem. I need to go inward. I just have found that that makes the space that they're holding the conversation for, for their clients, for their staff, for whomever, for their families at home, it's much easier. There's a lot more graciousness. There's a lot more kindness, a lot more compassion. There's a lot more love. There's a lot more happiness. And when people can actually feel that, it's kind of addicting. They want to be around that more. You're probably going to have, be more successful in getting your vision off the ground or, or accelerating your vision from that perspective. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think uh, as well, or maybe have you found this? I certainly have for myself that over the, the couple of years of COVID and being locked down, people working differently in different ways, staying at home more, being with their families, mm -hmm. that actually people have become more introspective. They're kind of looking inward rather than because everything externally is a mess or, it, you know, it feels like we, we don't have control of the external. So lots of people are now beginning to look inside themselves and say, well, what can I do to, you know, to, to help myself and help the people around me? Do you think, do you think that's happened? I do. And I've in many ways referred to the pandemic as the great fast. And it's the fast from surface level interactions, surface level relationships. I think it challenged us as a society, and not everybody, for whatever reasons, um, to say, wait, I do care about relationships. I do care about being connected to others. How do I want to go about that is the hard part. And my hope is that people can see the blessing in that. 
because otherwise you're really wasting a lot of suffering on a lot of other people's part. Mm -hmm. uh, that's my opinion. By not taking advantage of that opportunity to look within yourself and say, wait, maybe I haven't been showing up for myself or my relationships or my work in the way I want to. I have only so much time on this planet and in this, as far as I know, unless we're getting reincarnated in some way, shape or form, how am I making the most of this? Am I allowing other people to get closer to me? Am I allowing these relationships to flourish? Or am I just putting a, a big brick wall? Am I too afraid to go the next step? And even one of the unique gifts I think of, we'll call it the Zoom culture, the Zoom lifestyle, the this, I've never met you in person, but we've had really beautiful conversation. Mm -hmm. It forces you to use the instrument that is your voice and your words and your substance within that and how you hold that space. I think it's really powerful. We couldn't rely on other things, other quote unquote distractions, other tools. We had to sharpen this. And some people, it was, that was like gasoline on a fire, like, awesome, I'm, gonna, I'm going to flex that muscle. And I can say from my own personal experience, having the podcast helped me find and discover more about my own voice by sitting and having those conversations and saying, how do we produce a conversation that can be of substance to both people? And hopefully somebody else can listen in and be like, oh, I found some value as well. There's nothing more than that, just that right there. Like, yeah, I've got a picture on the back of the wall right now. I'm standing in my living room. Like, we don't need more than that. No. It's okay. And that's, I think, a gift if we can see it in that light. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I, lots of people have been through hell over the last few years. But as you say, I think in, in lots of ways, we will come out the other side and, and feel it is a gift. And you can you can look back at, you know, the other pandemics, whether it was the plague, whether it was, you know, whatever has happened centuries ago, and see that the innovation has came out of that. Every every time something like this happens, there are new ways that we, you know, the new opportunities we have to, to look at different ways of living our lives. Um, I mean, certainly in terms of voice, as a voice coach, I came into lockdown as a voice coach. I'd work on breathing, diaphragm diaphragmatic breathing, the tone, the pitch, all of those things. But actually what I work on now more with people is that confidence, that inner self, that authenticity of actually just showing up with your personality, with your story and, and sharing it at, as a way of validating other people and actually being of service to other people. So half the time, by the time the people have finished coaching with me, we've not even touched on their voice because their voice will come naturally once they have that sort of inner confidence about what, the, about what they're, what they're saying. Mm -hmm. So, so who is it that you work with mainly? Where, do, who, who comes to you and says, you know, Caleb, I need your help. So typically it's people who've quote unquote solved the problem, the checklist of, I mean, I'm stateside. So the American dream, they're successful. They've hit, they usually are an entrepreneur. They, their business has passed the grind your face off space. Um, more often than not lately, especially as of late, they're starting to look at the next five years and they might become an empty nester. They're starting to question like, what's this next big pivot in life? Um, an ironic piece is they're sometimes a little bit out of shape. They might not have fully taken care of that. They might have forgotten themselves in that whirlwind of that. They've got kids. They got a, a, a marriage. It's good. Sometimes it's not like showing up as much as they want. 
it's often like, hey, I, I can describe things are good, but something's missing. And the conversation is more around how do we take that to great? Let's be really honest about what your ideal life is. A lot of times we're talking about purpose. What's the what's this this phase, this next phase, especially if we're talking about if I'm if I'm bringing up people who have found that level of success in their business and maybe they're not feeling as like hmm, something the juice isn't there or they're looking at their kids going off and starting their own lives. What's my purpose then? How am I using my body and all of these things? How what do I what are the experiences I want to be around for, whether it's walking their kid down the aisle or something of that nature. It's taking that big zoomed out approach on your life and saying, well, how do I want this to end? How do I want to live the rest of my days? And they have earned the right to sit in that space. Um, it's not a short process to be able to do that. Like the reason why that tends to be the person I work with is because you need to be stable enough in some of those material things. If everybody looks at the Maslow's of hierarchy of needs, this is kind of where you're tipping into that self-actualization, the tip of the pyramid piece. It's a softer conversation. There's a lot of patience that you need to do it when you're doing this. And if you're constantly fluctuating in and out of like panic mode, which is the don't die, don't die, don't die bottom piece of that, I have you have enough stuff and you have enough time to be able to sit in that space and say, cool, let me be honest with my decisions. Let me take time. Let me be thoughtful about the next steps in my life. What do I want to build? What is the legacy I'm looking to leave behind? Um, and I can only say from my own personal experiences, that was what Naked Sunday was. It was just solving that problem. I was asking myself, well, before I start any project here, would I do it forever just because I love it? And I was like, I love talking to people. Cool. Let's do a podcast. That was it. And where that went, much like you said, it it builds a voice. It builds external kind of mechanical things. And you, I love how you said it. Like we don't even talk about really the mechanics of speaking or breathing or all of those things. It's kind of the, the base level is already kind of taken care of. Yeah. That other stuff is is fine tuning the top. So it's really people lo looking, if I could put it into a punchline of defining their own happiness and, and going towards that. And I call it really exploring those three things that I keep talking about, self-care, meaningful work, and quality connections. I call that the nexus of happiness. Where do all those things interface? How do they all integrate together in a way that allows you to love every single day of your life? Yeah. Do you do you think that's... Um, so, it, so what you're coaching people to is that nexus of, of happiness. Mm-hmm. And so, because what you, what you're describing are people that have kind of got that success. They're there. They're not fighting for survival. They've kind of they've made it to a certain certain level in their lives. Yeah. Is it then people that are kind of looking around and thinking, well, you know, what do I do? What do I do now? I've got I've I've ticked all those boxes. What do I do now? And then once they've worked with you, what what is the outcome? Is it is it total happiness or is it finding a, a, another purpose is it finding something else to work towards mm. it's funny you ask that because the answer is i don't know and that's because happiness is defined by them and that's one fundamental piece of all this i'll never take that decision away from them i have my own ideas of what i think happiness is and i just do it every day like 
I need some time by myself, whether it's exercise or meditating, praying, whatever that is, uh, I, or watching a movie by myself, or uh, then I need to like do some work that's meaningful. I need to be of service to people in some way. And then I want to spend time with my loved ones. So it's either boys night dinner with my buddies or date night on the couch with my wife, watching a movie and snuggling with our dog. But that's me. Like, like that's what I love to do. And I could do that every single day. Sometimes it means I'm traveling, sometimes I'm not, but I don't know what it is for somebody else. And I guess my, my role is saying, cool, have you even asked yourself what that is? And then helping them align themselves with that. I try not to get too caught up on the, on the outcome because I think so many people do and they don't get to enjoy the journey inward. Mm -hmm. And that's what it is like this. How can you love every day of your life is accepting the fact that not every day is going to be quote unquote perfect, but it's also perfect in the fact that it's not. And yeah. how can I find appreciation in that? Uh, I know it's a bit of a rambling answer around that as I say it, but that's something I've, I have struggled in my past to, to say, Hey, I don't know. That's, yeah. that's where I'm at. And, I don't like being told what to do. So I figure in this, especially if this is how somebody wants to live the rest of their life, ooh, I really shouldn't be the person telling them how to do that because no. it's their quality of life to, to decide. No, I just wonder if there's, if it's sort of filling a void for, for them somehow that they, they, they feel the need to, to find, you know, what is the next step? Because I, I think, you know, certainly as somebody of a certain age, who's, uh, husband unfortunately has passed away and my daughter is now left to go to university and you know I'm I'm at a stage where I'm I am now looking at all those things that you are talking about you know I've got to a certain level of uh competence let's say that's not necessarily you know wealth and on uh, all those things but I certainly have a wealth of experience that I'm now like, well, surely now I can be of value. Now I can I can put myself forward into yeah. the world as somebody that can be of service. You know, is it sort of useful? All this that's up here is quite useful to other people. So do you think that that's what people are looking for at that sort of stage? I do. I see it as a legacy piece at mm. this point. What is my life amounting to in some way, shape, or form? My hope is that people don't, it might feel like a void, at least from my own experiences, like something's not right. But I don't like using it as a void because it, in some places, it's, it denotes that we're not enough. Mm. I would say that it's more of a calling. So the, to me, the bottom of the Maslow's hierarchy of needs is don't die. It's a push feeling. If I don't keep going, it's the end. The top of it is more about a pull. I'm feeling called to do something more. I'm feeling called to pass on something about me, to help the next generation, to do something, my work that I will probably never see the end of. And that's, I think that's a diff, I, I know I struggle with wrapping my head around that. Of what, what is my legacy? What do I want to leave? And in fact, I was actually asked that this past weekend at a retreat and it's the second well it's actually twice in this in past week i refined my answer on the second one um <laughs> to give you the answer what i actually gave it was world inner peace and before that i'd been mm -hmm. like world peace and in this work what i'm realizing is that if i was to say world peace 
that's waiting for everybody else to figure out themselves as opposed yeah. to if we each individually come to peace with ourselves you don't really feel the need to be angry or fight each other you yeah. learn how to interface in a way that's different i digressed a little bit but the reason why i say that is that void feeling that i am not enough feeling usually leads to a lot of scarcity based decisions and um as we're shifting into this perhaps a very ironic odd question to ask is how long do you want to live and i've yet to meet anybody who has said anything less than 15 years but more commonly than not it's like 20 to 30 years which i'm 35 right now and I think about the first 30 years of my life, I go, whoa, that is a massive lifetime. What can you do with all that knowledge that you said you have? Wow, I've accumulated it. I've sorted it out more than other people that are coming behind me. Mm. How, how can I make it a little easier for them to get a step ahead and then go solve the next problem down the line? Um, Hopefully that properly answers yeah. the question. Yeah, no, no, no. I, th I think the reason I, I sort of put it in terms of a void is because I, I you kind of get the feeling, and uh, and I think people you know, that don't know very much about coaching will think that actually you go to a coach for support and help, and it it, it seems quite strange if you if you've got everything, there must be something missing, and actually what you said there about the legacy piece, I think is is the crux of it is the is the fact that yes you've got to this point what you know what what are you now hoping to leave behind what are you going to do with that kind of you know it's now it's time to to give back and how how can you do that how can you use what you've got so i think that's that's where i where i was going with that I so yeah that. yeah i think that's that's uh yeah the legacy thing i love um so tell us about then because i i always ask my guests what they wanted to be when they grew up mm. and i i am wondering how a little boy called caleb age nine years old got to to here and so what was what was that little caleb after what what, what was what were you wanting to to do with your life or what did you have envisaged for yourself at that stage uh this is something that I struggle with because I was never certain about anything in my life. I kind of just went with it and I was good at pretty much anything I did. Sounds a little braggadocious as I say that, but I really didn't put a lot of work into school or athletics. I just could. And I was good enough to get by. Um, and the real struggle for me actually came from my religious upbringing. So, and many times I've referred to it, I grew up in a cult. I've come to believe like it's just a word, however you want to think about it. The way it namely affected me though, was limitations on around how I was going to find love. And um, to that effect, I have in literally every space in my life felt like an outsider. Uh, even when I've gone off and tried to solve my own problem by just being the center of the business to be like, I'm the hub. I still felt like I was outside of that. I'll, I'll, I'll get to where the, it answers your question, I think, more succinctly in a moment. Um, and I think the majority of my life has been around coming to terms with that, of finding what does it mean to like accept real love into your life and to love yourself unconditionally, but also in the same breath, love someone else unconditionally. 
if there is one thing I've ever been certain of in my life, as I've jumped from one type of job and all these other things that I've done, there's only one, been one thing I've ever been certain of, and, and, and that's my desire to become a father. And when I look at all the things that I've explored, when I think about being a good dad and why I've been preparing, especially really the past five years, uh, whether my wife knew it or not, or my friends knew it or not, that's been what's on my mind. And probably I would even go farther to like, my dad almost died about seven years ago. And that was a real eye-opening moment for me of what, well, what's the legacy I'm going to leave behind? It was a, probably a big driver as to why I couldn't keep my wellness center or gym anymore because it was limiting my ability to serve in the way that I think I need to, a way that I'm feeling called to. Um, but I think about if I'm a good dad, the job is to make yourself obsolete in a strange way. The same way I think being a great coach is to make yourself obsolete, to put yourself out of a job. And if I can help guide my offspring, my child, my son, my daughter, to a space where they're confident enough and capable enough to stand on their own two feet, to no longer need me, then I've done a good job. So I think the space of me feeling like an outsider allowed me to see a lot of other things from a love perspective, from a business perspective, from a health perspective, uh, in a way to say, hell, this, all these things are the same thing. We're not connecting on this fundamental level. What are the questions I need to ask? What are the things I care about? What are the values and how do I hold somebody accountable to those things so that they can actually live up to their potential uh, in a way that is not dogmatic and shame and guilt driven? Again, like I said before, those tactics kind of work, but I've seen them be very short term and short term could be five, 10 years in, in, in efficacy, but that still could be short from a place where it doesn't set you up as a crutch. I think that that's something that I, I hope to espouse in all my relationships, not just within my, my marriage, but also within my children. Because um, I think about death a lot. I think about it all the time. And I do a guided meditation that I do a bunch of retreats or just often in general, I call it, who's holding your hand on your deathbed. Um, I, I think about it. I just did it today and I do it almost once or twice a week. It's really asking myself after that moment, what have I left behind? And are they in the right, are they in a place that I've done as good a job as possible to allow them to, to still live a life of happiness and fulfillment? I just say, wow. <laughs> wow. That's, yeah, that's, that's the, um, the longest answer to what do you want to be when you grew up that I've ever had. I mean, that I, I love that. I, I just, I felt exactly the same about becoming a mother. You know, I felt that was my calling as much as, you know, I loved acting and I loved doing that sort of thing. But I think the reason I love acting is that I'm just so interested in people and what motivates people. Mm -hmm. And actually, I always, always wanted to have my children that I could, you know, just guide and kind of hand over. You know, they're never they're never your own, really. Mm -hmm. You know, you're just you're just there to exactly as you say, just kind of uh, send them on their way and give them all of those things that they need to go out and be their own person. And you know, that's I think that's just beautiful, beautiful. So, that's do you do you think then that that the the cult thing shaped that in you, 
or do you think that was something that was in you already? I mean, I don't, I don't know if you mind talking about it, but how, how then? We're not ending here, just taking a quick break. And we'll be back very soon after we hear from our friend, fellow podcaster and master of verbal communication, Andrew Thorpe. We're all in the persuasion business, whether that's pitching to a potential client, selling ourselves in a job interview, or convincing a teenager to tidy their room. How we frame our message and how we deliver it makes all the difference. And this is the theme of my podcast, Leaning Forward. I'm Andrew Thorpe. I'm a speaker, a trainer, and a storyteller. And I'd love you to tune in to our latest episode. That kind of the, the cult environment, was was it sort of a, I get the idea that maybe it was kind of a community, a commune where you, you didn't have that sort of small family unit of a sort of a, a mother, father. Was it slightly? No, that's, and that's where I, I like to make sure I start to clarify. Like, yeah, from my own personal experiences, I know when I use the word like that, it brings out a lot of feelings for a lot of people. And not that many years ago, I led with an edge on that one. Um, I had a roof over my head. I had food in my belly. And I had two parents that I knew every day loved me. That was the gift I did have. And it took me a long time to like accept that I was throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Uh, um, I could see where it came from, why there was a lot of rigidity around how I was to, so I was supposed to have an arranged marriage not allowed to date, nothing like that. And as I say this stuff out loud, I'm like, oh, you know, I couldn't do those things. There's plenty of people dealing with much worse. And dare I say, the exposure through my coaching of hearing people share the darkness they've gone through helped give me a lot of perspective on, okay, my my thing could have been a lot worse, um, even from people that were in the organization, in the church, and, and like in similar position as me, like they received it much worse than I. But for me, when I think of symbol, like as a symbol, it was I am waiting for somebody else to say it's okay for you to have love, the ultimate form of love. And I've seen that play out in my, my intimate relationships. A lot of times in the beginning, it was more of out of spite, I can get the girl. I can stay with the girl longer than you gave me credit for. I can win. It was out of spite as opposed to being fully present for these these women that were really, you know, generous and sharing their life with me. Um, and the, if there's any regrets, it's like wishing that I could have understood that and communicated that better and understood that about myself. Um, not to say we didn't share good moments together. And, and I still love every one of my exes um, now that I understand that because they taught me a lot about that. But um, I talked with my dad about it. So ironically, my mother is still a believer, quote unquote, in that my father is not they're still happily married and they had an arranged marriage i think some 40 odd years ago anybody who's ever wants to look into it like the unification church or people call it the moonies they were known for large mass weddings my parents were married in madison square garden they're in the guinness book of world record largest mass wedding like some wild stuff from like an external vision but um as i look back like i, I understand why and my dad told me about it he's like he traveled a lot for work and I knew my dad kind of thought different. My dad has a very deep spiritual thinker and he thinks 
about a, an individual relationship with things that are bigger than him. I won't go too far into describing how he goes about stuff because it is his individual relationship. But the beautiful example I had from the two of them is in his description of, he said, I noticed, you know, I knew your mother was raising you kids more. And I had a decision for me to either step in and just be more, you know, whatever, want my way about how this was going to go down or to show a unified front of your parents. And he chose that because he saw the stability and having that unified vision of this masculine and feminine energy guiding the children. And to that effect, I can see that they, they're square on what their goal was as a couple. They wanted to raise good children who could serve and be kind and be loving and be generous. And we all have our flaws. We all have our stuff that we've gone through. But that's given me a lot of perspective on that. So I didn't, when I see, like, when I get past that I was not allowed to stuff, I could see instead I was given a really profound gift of being able to see two very different people each individually define the common goal in their own way and have committed and pursued that and finding common ground along the way. And as I talk about world inner peace and world peace in a general capacity, as we see a lot of divisiveness, in, at least on the external, I see deep down what are all people looking for? Connection, acceptance, dare I say, love. Unconditional love, which in my often my definition is acceptance without judgment and allowing it to be that way. So, again, aside from like the harsh rules, and you need you need structure, you need routine, you need things to help make sense of the ambiguity that is in life. And I can see how some of their tools are good. And I, ironically, when I wasn't told what to do, I went down some very similar paths. I've done seven day water fasts and I've meditated and I've prayed and I've done all the things not that different from what they've described to me on their journeys. Go figure. I found more peace, more, but it was more my own asking, my own yeah. questioning, my yeah. own deeper exploration. I, I mean, maybe because you were a child and because you don't, you know, no different, you know, nothing else is that kind of, you feel that restriction, but actually yeah, yeah. with the hindsight of age and experience, you can look back and say, well, actually, you know, I was, I was, as you say, no worse off than, than some people are in, in, in those sort of situations. And you kind of, you know, you get to a teenage years and you want to rebel and you want to get out of those kind of restraints. But as you say, everybody needs boundaries but it's just how it's how you deal with them yourself isn't it it's how you kind of it's a hard conversation yeah. and i believe a lot of what this has allowed me to do is learn how to forgive whether i say it to them directly or not whether i get a whether i get a apology from another side is it really irrelevant it's about learning mm -hmm. to love and accept and just all of that i'm not perfect at it so i will openly say that but yeah, what you're saying is, yeah, okay, you don't know any better and you feel a certain kind of something about it. I would even go so far as to say my my teenage rebellion probably trickled into much later into my late 20s and <laughs> until <laughs> some darkness found my my way and I got smacked upside the head with it. Yeah. So you so you went into uh well-being from was that was that the sort of first incarnation of of the of the work on the journey to where you are now? Yeah, so when I was in high school probably like 12 years old, I started lifting and it was to play football. Like I 
the time I felt most of myself was in athletics. There's a team, there's a sense of camaraderie. I could feel somewhat accepted. Plus the, the youthful teenage, I want to look good with, you know, abs and all that stuff, of course, <laughs> lends itself to that. Plus I want to be the best on the field. You know? <laughs> but that's my, my ego driven side of it. Um, but I remember going and training a lot in the high school gym and getting deeply acquainted with weightlifting. And that subsequently led me down that path. I went to college for a degree in kinesiology and I found CrossFit, which I jokingly say now, like I left one cult to go join another and then start my own. Um, but again, just community was seemed to be the, the through line with all this. How can I be around people so I don't feel so alone? Um, and I found that found this sense of belonging but from a general sense all i knew was okay well i like sports i like this sciencey thing i like helping people i guess i'll just keep going this direction i put almost no work into going in after it i did i applied to one thing for on one application for college got in just because of whatever got some money to go to a couple different ones to, like it just was a very whatever i'm going along for the ride yeah. uh passively and I look back, I'm like, man, I could have, I could have been a little more active and and assertive in my pursuit of that. But I, I think I was just always questioning, like, I don't know, I'm really just not sure what I want. Um, having the resistance as as it came into a space of, oh, I found this thing. We'll call it CrossFit at the time. Uh, like, this is what I want to do with my life. I want to own a gym. Yes, I can do it, whatever I want, however I want, because nobody can tell me what to do. Plus, I has all this athletic stuff, so I can get better at stuff. Um, and I enjoyed what happened through it. And, and in many ways, personal trainers or coach, like fitness coaches are, I would usually say underpaid therapists, because when you are starting to have a, a health intervention, a wealth, a wellness intervention with somebody, you start to realize this has nothing to do with eating chicken and broccoli and lifting some weights and breathing heavy a few times a week. It has everything to do with your relationship with yourself. So all of a sudden you get all the nitty gritty details of how's your work life, how's your, how's things at home. You hear all the stuff and you go, oh, well, that's, that's the real problem. That is wellness. It's not just this myopic, cool, when I start to squat 300 pounds, all my life's yeah. problems are solved. Like that's, that's just not real. Yeah. Um, so it was a, I guess we we'll call it the gateway drug into into seeing the bigger bigger picture. But your relationship with your body is very very much yeah. intertwined. Absolutely, and you, have, you know what you said there about um, the the fact that you move from one community into a, into another, or one cult into another, is what you said. But actually, is that whole thing around community, isn't it? And and almost continuing along the lines of what you already know, a kind of a place that you feel safe because that's where you've come from. So yeah, you move yeah. into a community that almost mirrors what you the way that you've grown up and then I think it's it is only then when you start looking I mean obviously the physicality of your body is very external but knowing that what feeds the outside you know what feeds the inside or what feeds the outside is what comes from within mm -hmm. I think is is that's the quite the the fundamental piece isn't it through all of this is that actually it's it's it comes from inside rather than outside well I even love what you just brought up there is that and I don't know why I didn't just think of it till right now, but it seems quite obvious. Yeah, you move from one safe-ish space to the next safe-ish space to the next, like this is where you felt most comfortable, which is also for anybody who's listening who is a coach, we're thinking about, it's more about letting people feel 
emotionally, physically, spiritually, psychologically safe enough to ask the next question. And asking the next question is really opening yourself to the unknown, that discomfort and like that, that edge of like, I have to go sort out the next complexity in my life. Yeah. Uh, So, I mean, ultimately, I guess it really all was a spiritual pursuit. It just happened to be housed in a physical manifestation. So that was, uh, was, thank you for saying it the way you did. (laughs) I brought some insight to me. (laughs) It's that kind of living with discomfort a little bit, isn't it? It's kind of um, being being okay with being uncomfortable. I mean, in my line of work, when I'm talking with people about them showing up for their audience, whoever that might be, with them sharing the their vulnerability in order to share their ideas or their message it, people are freaked out by that they don't like it it's uncomfortable and like i said it's not that with me the external is getting them to project and getting them to speak clearly and use all their organs of articulation but actually uh, where it starts is from the inside, like I was saying earlier. You know that confidence that comes from within, and I think it's the same with what you were doing with the with the gym side of things. Is that that people come, they want to lose weight, they want. To, it, it's all about finding a way that they can they can be comfortable in their own skin, so that yeah. then they can they you know and they can show that 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 outwardly, but they have to. It has to come from from the inside first. I could not agree with you more. It's. Your body is a language just as much as your voice. Yeah. And once we come to terms with that, you can start to see. It's it's usually pretty glaringly obvious what the actual thing is. So, and everybody's going to have their their way of looking in the mirror or yeah. listening to themselves or whatever. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's a very astute assessment. Yeah. Um, you on I've seen on the website, and I will bring up all your links. Uh, it, just a minute but sure. on, on the website you coach with people with um business couples yeah. tell me a little bit about that because I find that quite intriguing how do, how do you work with couples and their business are they people that are in business together or just couples that are in business I'm going to say both but if I had to pick one I would choose the one that's in business together because it's like the ultimate version of the unified vision of a future together because especially for entrepreneurs we attach a lot of our identity into our work and if we're using this vehicle of a business to leave a legacy however that means you want to do it to share that journey with your partner i think is really profound and it put it puts all the different pieces of a relationship front and center really quickly. I think it's very difficult to see the associations if you're not having to interface right away. Um, the reason I say this is you still have to contextualize, like what does it mean to be in a relationship outside of work? What are the roles and responsibilities inside and outside of work? It doesn't have to be the same, but it's understanding where people feel most loved and most appreciated and feel most competent and confident. And that's sometimes messy because business is can be chaotic but it's a beautiful feedback tool i lean on this saying of grow together or grow apart and the reason why i prefer to work with people who are in like a a significant significant committed relationship i.e a marriage 
is that you're deciding that we want to create a united vision together and that we are going towards that goal. And then you can align a lot of things much faster. And things like sales is just a function of are we in alignment? When you clear up that, when you clear up where there's blockages in your communication, because it's really come, that's all it is. Anybody else like, oh, the, the key to life is learning how to communicate. Key to successful marriage is learning how to communicate. Well, yeah. And how, where, when, why, with whom. But knowing how to work through disagreements, knowing how to come to, to make time and space for each aspect. How do we make sure that we're still dating and loving each other and, and keeping that honeymoon feeling alive? How are we also making sure that we're getting the jobs done? Are we making sure that we have the right people in the right seats on the bus? Like that's that's difficult and it's ever changing because life happens. When you bring a new baby into this world, you could very deep like very easily associate a business as a child. You could associate. Not by no means is it saying it's the same thing. So I am not at all saying that, my friends, because the same way I see a lot of people who are like, "Well, I'm a dog mom." It's like it's not the same as a child. So let's make sure that's clear, because I've seen a lot of friends be like, "Stop that nonsense right now." But when you see that a business is a, in a sense, a living, eating, breathing, sleeping thing that exists outside of you and has a name and a brand and an image and a tone and a, a language about itself that people are engaging with and it's bringing resources in and you have to put resources into and put energy and time and and reflect it's very dynamic it's not just oh we make pencils and then we sell them it's well who's making the pencils what type of quality pencil what's the what's the idea behind it what causes it serving that's a lot of stuff hmm. so from a how perspective it's one understanding each individual are they being honest with themselves and then seeing where you can combine that. And sometimes, especially if, when I see a lot of couples, especially as they're facing the children are going to be going, they're gonna be going down that empty nest space soon. You see there's sometimes a little bit of fear of confronting that because it's like, do we still like each other? Do we, are we still on the same page? What was the purpose of this relationship to this point? How have we maintained and, and nurtured the love that was initially us? And I, my hope is that people go, well, let me start there. Let me make sure we love, we're loving on each other. And the reason why I say this is from my own personal experiences. I'm going to share it from when I was in the gym. I noticed that our sales were down. And of course, internal panic attack. Got to go solve this. My business partner is like, yeah, we got, we got to do this because I was the front-facing guy. And uh, I was like, Got on the horse, all the mechanical stuff. Yeah, okay. You know, I'm gonna do X amount of reach outs and book this, all those things. Not only did things not get better, they got worse. And so I had gone off and started spending more time doing all this rough work, rough work or just clerical work. But I had forgotten to go home and touch base with my wife. Where are we at? And we had to have more friction at that time in our in our marriage, just at each other's throats a little bit, just like ah, just a little aggressive, a little just antsy. I just didn't feel connected. And in that moment, welcome to not wanting to be a hypocrite, playing a great role in my life. I was like, oh, well, I tell my clients, hey, zoom out and look at the rest of your life. Take the bigger picture approach. And you may have to go left to go right, which it seems counterproductive. I went and did that because I didn't want to be a hypocrite. I went home and we had a big conversation. And, and what I noticed from that, when I 
felt reconnected to my wife and I felt like we were on the same page again. I felt grounded. I felt like what I was doing mattered because this is the person I want to share my life with. Well, I walked into work the next day, a little softer, a little kinder, was joking around, a little more playful with my clients and feeling a little more connected, having better conversations. And it would snowball from conversation to conversation. Just this energy, this positive energy just kept building. By the time I got to a sales room, I felt so full. My cup felt so full and with happiness and joy and stability that I was confident and comfortable enough to ask the questions that need to be asked, to hold the space that needed to be held for this person to just be honest enough to say, yes, this is the decision we need to make. I'm choosing to go with you on this journey. Cool, let's do this. And it's not about the money that happened. The money was just a symbol of, okay, cool. There was enough trust. There was enough stability. There was enough confidence to say, we're going to do this together because this is a relationship. I'm buying into a relationship. I'm not buying into just you know, some, some product. I'm, I'm buying a relationship with you and the community that you are nurturing. I feel safe enough. Sales got better. So it's taking that bigger picture approach to say, where do we need to start in our, our relationship? Because that's going to model for your staff, for your clients, for your kids, for the rest of your family. You're going to model for everybody what happiness and fulfillment looks like. And when people are happier and more fulfilled and more full within themselves and happy within themselves, I just notice people make better decisions. When yeah. they make better decisions, money tends to follow. Or look better naked tends to follow. Because yeah. you you're not operating from that place of scarcity. Yeah. So that's why I I find a lot of joy in working with the couples because they're it's not either or they're they're an and. Yes. You need both, but together it's it's that. And one I found just like typically serves more like that masculine order role. The other one serves more as like that warm, loving, feminine, uh, energetic, salesy role, like that kind of thing. Both both are needed within yourself but also both in a intimate relationship and in a business relationship that when you put those things two together it's complete it's a complete message yeah i mean i do, i would i would imagine that's a very niche market though because it's you know it's it's hard enough running a marriage but if you introduce a business into that you know a plus three kids and and a dog and a cat and and you know it's it, how how people sort of stay completely on the same page that must be very difficult i would imagine and quite quite niche yeah and ironically they hit walls because of their success mm. so the the where i'm intervening when I, I come to work with them is they could do it by themselves it's just more they're like am i ironically i find myself in a way giving permission to just chill out take a breath do less but better um, because we're so used to just more, 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 more to get more. But now it's how do I distill it back down to let's get back to the root. They've succeeded to this point to this threshold despite some things and because of some things. But to go to the next thing is more about finding peace and, and sorting some basic things out. Yeah. And there's nothing I'm going to say to anybody that they haven't heard in some way, shape, or form. The only reason why people work with me is they happen to like me for whatever reason. They might like the way I talk, my tone, whatever. They also might choose not to work with me because they don't like me. That's that's it. It's it's about the relationship in my yeah yeah. But I, mean, but I think what you give them is permission, isn't it? And and you know, it's it's very much again what what I do with people is just sort of 
allow them to have joy in their lives, allow them to give them permission to actually enjoy each other, enjoy their business, enjoy what it is that they do. And the, the more that the more space you can give them to do that, then, you know, it benefits everyone, doesn't it? it, it they, they bring that then into the business and into the relationship. Yeah, it's just a little space to breathe. That's yeah. It. That's yeah. It. For, for visionaries. So I tend to talk to like, I think that I see things as like the visionary and operator mind, not that people don't know the other. But there's one like in my marriage and in my life, I tend to be the one who's like, we'll call it the visionary role. Like I just see into the future. The how we get there is really not, it's not my strong suit. I, just, I say that was a long time to admit to, like, can I sort it out? Sure. But it's like nails on a chalkboard slow for me. Right. So finding somebody who knows how to translate and help me in that journey, my wife or my friends who are really good at that is really fun. So um I don't even know why I brought up that that interlude, but in the relationship, I tend to also work with the like I connect with the 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 women, the moms first. And for whatever reason, I've also learned like for anybody who's in the business space, make sure you take care of the women first. Like happy wife, happy life. Like let's let's get that, <laughs> let's get that clear right away. That's the smartest thing you can ever do, not from just like a tactical standpoint, from like being a good human being standpoint. Just listen, hold some space, cool things happen everybody's cool afterwards just just be kind usually it works out so yes that's yes. A, another quirky aside yours truly <laughs> well i'm going to move on quick to uh to your linkedin because i just i love what you how you introduce yourself in your linkedin and let me see if i can find your banner with your linkedin here there we go that's that's you on linkedin if if you're happy for people to connect with you or come and find you certainly that's where they can but you describe yourself there as your concierge to happiness just mm. as a sentence please to explain what that means so when i see a concierge i think of that person that's like at the help desk i am going to help you quote unquote i mean not officially diagnose because i'm not a doctor so i'm not diagnosing anything but I'm going to assess from my holistic perspective where you're at. And I like to help you find the right solution wherever that is. So it's not just like tour guide style. I'm like, here's this site. And that's what that, what happiness looks like over there. But like, and then here it's, Hey, let's take you to that person. So more often than not, I play very well in that generalist foundational space, but I love finding specialists who share the same understanding and like heart driven vision of like how to take care of people heart centeredness um so i see myself in that role playing like point man say cool like hey you might you might actually need this other type of more practical service for this specific piece and i can play point like hey you're going to spend some time here solve that piece of this puzzle we're going to come back again we're going to work on our next piece and that's how i see it as the through line i'm still having a conversation more or less helping them build confidence through all of it and making sure we translate that. Yeah. But um, to your happiness is, again, the same thing I come back to. It's you get to define what happiness is to you, and I'm going to help. I'm going to hold up the mirror and say, cool, yeah. like, are we going in the right direction or not? <laughs> that's, that's about it. Yeah, love that, concierge. Uh, functional spokesperson. So this leans into what I was saying before. I love giving people shine. If I'm bought into you, I just won't shut up about you. It's just something that I like to do. Uh, I do find that I have a gift of throwing some words together in a way that 
can be attractive from a punchline standpoint, especially if it's for other people. Like my buddies come to me all the time, like, hey, you're like, could you give me a tagline for this thing? Because I like to think I marry the the practical aspect of somebody is doing with their vision of what they enjoy. So I like to do that. But the functional standpoint is I see a lot of spokespeople and I look at them and they're like, you just got an offer to just make a bunch of money on this thing. Are you really looking at it from a perspective of how does this business need to really fully represent themselves? And also from a consulting perspective, are they actually delivering on the thing they say they're doing? Um, so functional to me is, no, I'm going to go treat this as if I'm a customer and I'm going to look at it through that lens from a consulting lens, say like, hey, let's, let's clean this up. I'm going to tell you why I wouldn't buy from you. I know how to, I'm pretty good at integrating things. Like I'll walk into a space like, this is the problem. And I can take like two minutes because I'm hypersensitive to culture um, for uh, hopefully now some obvious reasons. But <laughs> the uh, once that happens, like we can set up a relationship where, yeah, like I want, I want more people who are doing not only like delivering on what they say they can deliver on, but also the substance and what that their vision of a better world looks like. I love, love giving more, giving a voice to that. Brilliant. Lovely. And last one on this image consultant, which kind of almost feels like, well, it feels like you've kind of ex explained it, but it, it seems odd in context with the others. So explain why, what you mean by image consultant. It's a great question. I feel like it's the more, most like united version of the two of those pieces right there. It's the masculine of like, we're going to talk about it versus the feminine of like, what's happiness? How do we feel about it? Um, Image to me is really a reflection of what you think of yourself as. So that comes out as what you wear, how you dress, how you take care of your body, your physical appearance, your voice, your tone, all of those things. Now, again, I am not going to solve all those things. I'm not the specialist in all of those things, but I can see where somebody is not showing up with that confidence. And let's address that from a global perspective, because it also shows up in your business. And it shows up at home and it shows up in your marriage and it shows up with your kids and it shows up with yourself it shows up everywhere where can we find the through line and find that com that confidence but it's from an inside out approach not the outside in because a lot of people are trying to slap <laughs> slap a mask on put on like put a shell over the top of it as opposed to saying hey how about we like let the better parts of you come out where i'll use it like a health perspective your skin your complexion and I know this namely because when I eat certain foods, like my skin breaks out more, your skin is really telling you from an, in, like what's going on on the inside. If you're not taking care of your body, it's going to show up. And it's going to, like I said, that's more of like a practical base level kind of idea, but from a external standpoint, what you just talked about, let's first talk about your confidence. It will show up in your tone. It will show up in your voice control. It will show up in your body language when you present in your pacing, in your control, all of those things. So from an inside out perspective, that's, that's how I look at image consulting. Brilliant. Yeah, I think, I think that's been a fantastic conversation. We've covered so much stuff. I just would love for people to, to know how to get in contact with you and where to find you, Caleb. What's, what's the best way for people to come and find you? You can listen to my podcasts. That's anchor.fm backslash naked Sunday. Um, I'm on Apple and on Spotify. So go listen to that. If you want to hear me rant about my thoughts or welcome, beautiful, amazing human beings to the show. Uh, not too different than, than you. 
and very much like you, you're a fantastic person. And at some point, we're going to have to get you on. I think we already talked about that. I can't wait. I'm super hyped about it. Obviously, you've got my podcast or my uh, website right there, nakedsunday.coach. I'm on Instagram. My personal one is at Leb in real life. Leb is my nickname, if you're wondering. I might led to my little tagline, my sign off of love everybody. Um, um, I, I have a former client to thank for that one. So Stacia, if you're listening, thank you. Um, I have my, an ex-girlfriend to thank you, thank for the nickname of Leb, but that's a whole other ball of wax too. Um, I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. You already showed that. Where else am I? I have a TikTok. I have a, per, I have a business TikTok and a business Instagram as well. And this is, drives me nuts when I see this, but I, or I had to do this, but it's at underscore naked underscore Sunday underscore was super upset that they didn't have it just straight up, but whatever. First world problems on that one. So uh, you can find it there. Uh, people can just message me. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. Um, I, I have to ask though, if I come on your podcast, I don't have to be naked, do I? You do not. And uh, to that effect, like a lot of people ask me, like, do you still do Naked Sunday? And it's like, hopefully people realize like it's not about the physical nakedness. It's more about showing up as your authentic self all the time and are you connecting to that so in some way shape or form i do naked sunday all the time because i constantly constantly and and just with my thoughts um but it's much like the idea like people think about like going to church on sunday as being a good whatever follower of whatever it's like no the point is to live in alignment with the values that are espoused from that conversation yeah every day everywhere you go but and be yourself and be yeah. the best version of yourself. Yes, I totally, totally agree. Oh, well, it's been a fantastic conversation, Caleb. I've been, yeah, thank you so much for spending the time with me from all the way over there. I have to say, this morning I was in Australia. This afternoon I'm in New York. I love it. It's the, be <laughs> the beauty of the virtual life. And uh, I got to say thank you so much for for allowing me to come and just share some thoughts for a while. And uh, I just think you're fantastic. So thank you for just being in my oh, life. The feeling is mutual. So thank you very, very much. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, then please leave a five-star review on whichever platform you're on. And if you'd like to receive information about future guests or would like to know more about Power to Speak coaching, then sign up for our fortnightly newsletter at powertospeak.co.uk. And remember... If you, like all of us, are in the persuasion business and need inspiration or tips on the art of verbal communication, then tune in to Leaning Forward with our friend Andrew Thorpe. Find Leaning Forward on your favourite podcast platform. Bye for now.